0: the NATO summit in Lithuania, leaders say the addition of new members is sending a clear message to Russia.
1: President Putin's war of aggression against Ukraine was a big strategic mistake. He totally underestimated the Ukrainians. He underestimated uh, the unity of NATO allies. But he also underestimated the political consequences.
0: Plus, has the temperature been lowered over concerns about Russia's nuclear threats? There's
2: been a great degree of nuclear saber-rattling, emanating actually from the Kremlin, but joined in the last month by a number of academics who have raised their voices saying, well, NATO's not paying attention. In order to get their attention, We need to use nuclear weapons against NATO cities.
0: And later in the program, humans aren't the only ones affected and uprooted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Today is Tuesday, July 11th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Lori London in Washington. NATO opened its summit Tuesday in Vilnius, Lithuania with fresh momentum after Turkey withdrew its objections to Sweden joining the alliance. It's a step toward the unity that Western leaders have been eager to demonstrate in the face of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said he is absolutely confident Turkey will ratify Sweden's accession to NATO, and that will send a very strong and positive message about Ukraine's own desire to join the alliance, though, after the war ends and membership can be initiated.
1: Unless we ensure that Ukraine win this war, unless we ensure that Ukraine prevails as a sovereign independent nation, there is no membership issue to be discussed. So we have to understand the timelines, the, 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 the tasks. Uh, and the first and the most imminent task is to ensure that uh, Ukraine prevails and P- President Putin does not win this war.
0: Stoltenberg said Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision to invade Ukraine appears to have been a major strategic blunder.
1: He went to war because he wanted less NATO. He's getting more NATO. Uh, more NATO military presence in the eastern part of the Alliance and two new members Finland, already a member, and then uh, Sweden soon to become a member. So that just highlights. Uh, the uh, big strategic mistake that President Putin uh, made when he invaded uh, invaded uh, uh, Ukraine.
0: And he told reporters that leaders have reaffirmed Ukraine will become a member of NATO and agreed to remove the requirement for a membership action plan. For analysis on these latest developments, I spoke with Rose Gottmuller, Stanford University analyst and former NATO Deputy Secretary General from 2016 to 2019. Thank you so much for being with us. There has been some disagreement Agreement as to timeline, and there was some back and forth about prospects for Ukraine's admission.
2: I don't think there's any confusion about Ukraine joining NATO. Uh, It is on a path to membership now, and I would say a pretty straightforward path to membership. Uh, It's very important that NATO has dropped the requirement for a membership action plan. You know, in the past, when I was Deputy Secretary General of NATO from 2016 to 19, at every summit meeting... Ukraine was asking for a membership action plan and saying we need that to show we're on a clear path to membership. Well, now in fact, NATO has dropped the membership action plan because uh, it, it really can also serve as a kind of barrier to membership because countries have to climb up and over uh, various phases in a membership action plan, and it takes a long time. So the fact that uh, NATO has now said to Ukraine, you're like you're like Sweden, you're like Finland. You don't need a membership action plan. You are on a smooth path to membership is significant. I think there are two issues that have to be dealt with. The first is that Ukraine is in the midst of a war with Russia. And President Biden, I agree with him on this. He's been very clear in saying that while uh, Ukraine is at war with Russia, uh, membership in NATO would bring uh, NATO into a European war, potentially with Russia, that could turn into World War III, and nobody wants that. So we have to consider that factor very seriously. The the second thing is that uh, Ukraine does have to deal with corruption. It has been a major problem for Ukraine in the past and a major concern. This is a, a significant governance issue in Ukraine. And so I will say they've made huge progress during this war. They put in place clear procedures for addressing all the military assistance coming in to ensure it doesn't just flow into the black market but gets into the hands of Ukrainian soldiers. That's a very important step. And uh, it's also clearly committed in terms of national policy. President Zelensky has been very, very firm and clear about this. And I know that NATO is going to want Ukraine to to help Ukraine to slay that dragon. But Corruption will be a factor and something that Ukraine will have to work on.
0: As for their military, though, they've really proven their might and their determination. And that would seem a positive regarding their ability to be a part of NATO.
2: Absolutely. And I think that point's been made time and time and time again by NATO military leaders that in terms of uh, Ukraine's fighting prowess, its interoperability with NATO forces, its training and readiness, you know, fighting a hot war like this, uh, in on its own territory uh, is really uh, a major in in some ways. Although it's it's a terrible burden and a and, and a, a terrible situation. This egregious aggression that that Russia has undertaken in Ukraine, it has turned the Ukrainian fighting force into really a battle hardened force. And you can't say that for all the NATO armies. So I do think that Ukraine has a great deal to offer NATO in that regard, a clearly capable and battle ready interoperable military force.
0: NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg did say that if Russia's goal at the beginning of its invasion of Ukraine was to deter countries from joining NATO, that has backfired with now Finland and Sweden on track and potentially even Ukraine in the future. Is NATO prepared for Russia continuing to look to invade its neighbors? Well,
2: Vladimir Putin's decision to invade Ukraine, I think it has completely backfired instead of less NATO in Europe, he's getting more NATO in Europe with Sweden and Finland. Uh, entering the alliance. It is interesting to me that the Kremlin has downplayed their membership, saying, oh, we don't care as long as new NATO infrastructure is not constructed in Sweden and Finland. Well, that seems a bit of a uh, a, a weird argument because, in fact, Sweden and Finland already have a great deal of capacity and capability nationally and new NATO infrastructure is not going to be needed. But the other point is that, uh, you know, essentially their membership is turning the Baltic Sea into a NATO lake that uh, the Russians will have to contend with because they need that egress uh, to the Atlantic Ocean through the Baltic. And uh, well, of course, NATO is a defensive alliance. They are not there to challenge Russia. And if Russia is behaving according to international rules and regulations, there's not going to be a challenge to to Russian egress into the North Atlantic. But the situation is one that 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 Russia has truly created for itself. But the last thing I want to emphasize here is that NATO is a defensive alliance and it is not bent on attacking and destroying Russia. This is a point, again, that seems to be one that Putin and his his government make time and time and time again that NATO wants to dismember Russia. That's ridiculous. NATO is there to defend Europe. It has no desire and no absolutely no plan for offensive operations against Russia. And I think that will be visible in the NATO planning document that comes out of this summit in Vilnius.
0: Do you think it will be a given that by the end of the war, Ukraine will be on a fast track to uh, join NATO?
2: I think that Ukraine is already on a track to to join NATO that will take it to NATO's door very swiftly. Uh, you know, I think when you talk about the end of the war, it's not going to end in a moment. I hope for a ceasefire that will be a stable ceasefire and a peace process that unfolds, but it could take some years for that, that peace process to unfold. And so I think we need to consider not the end of the war as a single day, but the end of the war as a process. And part of that process will be Ukraine's NATO.
0: And there are also some serious rising concerns about a nuclear escalation and fears that Russia has no red lines to prevent it from a nuclear attack, or as some have expressed concerns about the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant being, you know, a source of attack.
2: Right. Well, there are two issues here. There's been uh, a great degree of nuclear saber rattling emanating actually from the Kremlin, but joined in the last month by a number of academics who have raised their voices saying, well, NATO's not paying attention in order to get their attention, we need to use nuclear weapons against NATO cities, a totally absurd point of view, because, of course, this would lead to nuclear escalation, nuclear catastrophe for the entire human race. So it's, a, it's a, an absurd argument. But we have been hearing that from senior academics in Russia. And for that reason, uh, we have to take it seriously. But I will say that it seems to me a significant red line has been drawn for Vladimir Putin by President Xi Jinping of China who evidently according to media reports has spoken to Putin about this very clearly and said do not use nuclear weapons in this war in Ukraine so that i think is a very important point and and it uh, it really has shown some significant i would say leadership on Xi Jinping's part The other situation having to do with the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is one where, uh, well, both Ukraine and Russia each has accused the other of turning Zaporizhia into another Chernobyl and uh, blowing up the plant or causing damage to the reactors that would cause them to put out a great deal of radiation into the atmosphere. To me, for the Russians to even toy with this idea is, is silly because the radiation would blow onto their best farm land, the so-called Black Earth Zone, and so to me, permanent radiation in their most uh, profitable agricultural lands doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But apparently, these threats uh, have been emanating from Russia, at least according to the government in, in Kiev. So I was glad to see in recent days, and particularly on the back of Rafael Grossi, the director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency, sending his representatives, his inspectors in to look at the plant. These kinds of threats have, have fallen away. And I think that's a very good thing. It's it's reprehensible, really, to threaten to attack a nuclear power plant in wartime to create that kind of damage. But the fact that this dam was blown up, and many suspect the Russians of doing it, has led to concerns that they could be just as careless with regard to the power plant in Zaporizhia.
0: Rose Gottmuller, Stanford University analyst and former NATO Deputy Secretary General under Jens Stoltenberg from 2016 to 2019. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky spent the last few weeks ahead of the summit visiting European countries to shore up support for its admission into the NATO alliance. He expressed concerns Tuesday that there wasn't a concrete timeline for its membership. U.S. and Germany were concerned its admission could lead NATO into to a direct confrontation with Russia. We hear more from VOA Eastern Europe Bureau Chief Miroslava Gungadze.
3: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky last week visited member states and signed bilateral agreements supporting Ukraine's bid to join the alliance, even though no vote on its candidacy is planned. At the stop in the Czech Republic, he addressed the membership issue. He said that some nations are still looking at Moscow and are afraid of it. The Ukrainian leader challenged those nations, saying that it is the moment to demonstrate the bravery and unity of the alliance and that Ukraine wants to see clear signals and concrete steps toward membership. Lithuania's former defense minister, Rasa Juknevičienė, a member of the European Parliament, says NATO's members in Eastern Europe are its biggest proponents.
4: Baltic States, uh, Poland, Czech Republic, I would say the whole Eastern part, uh, those who uh, joined NATO and understand and uh, enjoy uh, what they got uh, from, from from that membership
3: in contrast to many NATO member states, the U.S. and Germany, think Ukraine isn't ready yet politically or militarily and are worried that welcoming Ukraine could eventually drag the alliance into a direct conflict with Russia. Before departing the Europe this week, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Ukraine still needs to lay some groundwork before it can join NATO.
5: Vilnius will be an important moment on that pathway towards membership because uh, the united states our nato allies in ukraine will have the opportunity to discuss the reforms that are still necessary for nato to for ukraine to come up to nato standards
3: nato has said it is ready to support ukraine's reforms to its security and defense systems former ukrainian prime minister Arseniy Yatsenyuk argues that ukraine is ready for membership and that it will benefit nato
5: Ukraine practically demilitarized Russian military, conventional troops. So it's gonna take another decade for Russia just to revamp, restore, and rebuild its conventional forces in Europe. Uh, so uh, the skills, the experience, and the combat experience that, have you, uh, that Ukrainian military has is, is um, just unbelievable. So uh, that's definitely, definitely in the interest of the NATO member states to have Ukraine in.
3: Polls show that more than 80% of Ukrainians want their country to join NATO. Yatsenyuk says their expectations of the NATO Vilnius Summit are clear.
5: The Ukrainian people expect that uh, uh, during the Vilnius Summit Ukraine at least is to get an invitation to join NATO. Um, I am quite realistic and I do believe that our NATO members uh, and our, our, our NATO partners, they will find the political will not just to issue another declaration with the vague and ambiguous definitions, that the door is open.
3: The two-day NATO summit could be either a historic moment for NATO or perhaps a missed opportunity. Some analysts say the alliance will find a middle ground solution. Maroslava Gongadze, UA News.
0: Well, the issue of Ukraine joining NATO has been a hot topic of conversation across the country, I spoke with Anna Ternakova in Kiev to find out what people are hoping for, saying and expecting.
6: These two days are definitely perceived as decisive days for the Ukrainian future and Ukrainian history here inside the country. Uh, everyone hoped for direct signs would be given to Ukraine and Ukrainian future in NATO uh, today and tomorrow. We have confirmation that President Zelensky has already arrived, he is present at the summit and he will have some meetings with top officials actually according to the latest polling inside ukraine over 80 percent of ukrainians support and want ukraine to be a part of nato this is the highest in ukrainian history number of supporters so definitely this demonstrates how important this question and uh, this negotiation inside the country is people are really waiting for good news we already hear that it will be a slight easier procedure for Ukraine uh, that actually this was decided, that Ukraine will have similar procedure that uh, Finland and uh, Sweden. And of course, as President Zelensky mentioned, he also is expecting continuous conversation and negotiations on additional positive signs for Ukraine.
0: Anna Chernikova reporting for VOA from Kyiv. Meanwhile, before the start of the NATO summit in Lithuania, where security threats from Moscow were on the agenda, Russia launched attacks Tuesday on Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, the Black Sea port of Odessa, and the southern region of Kherson. No deaths were reported in overnight drone strikes on Kyiv and Odessa, but Russian shelling killed a woman in the southern village of Sofika and wounded two people in Kherson city. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Lori London. Kremlin officials say Wagner mercenary commander Yevgeny Prigozhin pledged loyalty to the Russian government following a recent revolt. The announcement this week about the meeting in Moscow raised questions about the power and influence held by both men. Dmitry Medvedev, the deputy chair of Russia's Security Council, praised the Russian authorities and people stating in an opinion article that authorities in Russia have convincingly have convincingly proved their strength and ability, their strength and stability. Polygraph Info says this is false.
7: On July 2, Dmitry Medvedev, the former Russian president and prime minister, praised the Russian authorities and people for resisting the mutiny by Wagner Group mercenaries. Medvedev, who is now deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council, claimed in an op-ed published by the official government newspaper, Rossiskaya Gazeta, The authorities in Russia have convincingly proved their strength and stability, and the people of the country have demonstrated their readiness to rally around Supreme Commander Vladimir Putin to defend the motherland. That is false. On June 23, Wagner Group founder Yevgeny Prigozhin announced a march for justice to force the resignation of Defense Minister Sergei Aigu and General Valery Gerasimov, the chief of the general staff of the Russian Armed Forces. The following day, Wagner forces entered Russia's Rostov region from Ukraine's partially Russian-occupied Luhansk region. Russian border guards and local and regional authorities offered little to no resistance to Wagner's incursion, even after Russian President Vladimir Putin called it treason and ordered that it be stopped. Wagner forces took control of Rostov-on-Don, Russia's largest southern city, captured military installations in a second city, and advanced some 800 kilometers towards Moscow. In Russia's Voronezh region, Russian soldiers and police reportedly agreed not to interfere with the Wagner forces' march and lay down their arms. Putin, Prime Minister Mikhail Mishustin, and other top officials and Putin associates reportedly left the capital during the crisis.
0: Polygraph Info is a fact-checking website produced by Voice of America. The website serves as a resource for verifying the increasing volume of disinformation and misinformation being distributed and shared globally. Among those seeking refuge from Russia's full-scale assault on Ukraine also includes lions, tigers, bears, and other animals that have been transferred from Ukrainian zoos to the Poznan Zoo in Poland. That's the first stop on their journey to new homes in Western Europe and the United States. For VOA Leisure Bacalets, reports from Poznan. Uh, oh. uh. <laughs> Lioness
8: Issa and her three cubs have lived in the Poznan Zoo for two weeks. Their physical health is improving, but zoo attendants say the four still struggle mentally.
4: All of them are a little bit stressed because of the presence of humans, but uh, even after the traumatic experiences connected with the missiles, drones, attacks. Isa was rescued from a private illegal breeder in
8: eastern Ukraine's Donetsk region. It was a part of a joint operation between the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian Wild Animal Rescue Center.
2: When our military liberates some areas, sometimes they find such animals abandoned, locked up and without food and water because the owners ran away from shelling and left
3: them.
8: Before the war, Natalia rescued wild animals who suffered in terrible conditions at the hands of their owners. The war has her redoubling those efforts, and volunteers know that when they find an abandoned animal on the front line, she's the one to call.
0: Our car is always ready with a full tank a cage and anesthesia medicine if i have a call now i can go immediately
8: all rescued animals first go to popovas center in the kiev region after the quarantine they are sent across the polish border to the zoo in poznan for a temporary stay when the war started the zoo director evans Grabczynska offered natalia her help together they have saved hundreds of animals
4: of all sizes more than 200 uh, of large predators uh, and another a little bit smaller species more than 12, uh, more than 50 lions uh, and another tigers another uh, cats uh, and uh, small predators like foxes
8: here in Poznan animals are receiving care while zoo in place look for permanent homes for them two bears from eastern ukraine Chippendale, are almost ready for a new journey
5: we are preparing them to the next part of their trip i hope the last to the brashov in romania we can't uh, stay here with chip and dale because our asylum our place for the birds is full we have 5 our birth.
8: Three tigers who came here as cubs are still waiting for an offer. A blind wolf will go to Greece, and Lioness Isa and her cubs also already have a home.
4: We have a good place for them. This is the Yorkshire uh, Wildlife Park in the Great Britain, and they will travel together as a pride, as a family group to this beautiful place.
8: Evacuating and housing the animals in the zoo is extremely expensive. So, Natalia Popova and Poznan Zoo get help from the International Fund for Animal Welfare and private donors. Ewa Zgrabczynska says the war, paradoxically, is giving these animals a chance for a new good life. Lesia Bacalas for VUA News, Poznan, Poland.
0: And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day at voanews.com. And on social media, just follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm VOA's Lori London.
7: Is the voice of
1: America? Washington, D.C.